be a disciple of Jesus. Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do what Jesus did. Jesus often called people to follow him. Um, it's a, a repeated phrase that Jesus used when gathering people to himself. He said, follow me, follow me. Now we're used to the language of follow, follow me, and it's usually um, followed by the phrase on something, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, follow me. Um, of course, the level of commitment to follow someone in our digital world is absolutely minimal. You barely need to do anything. And what do we mean when we say follow me on Twitter? We mean, well, if I do something that I think is noteworthy or interesting, you'll get a ping on your phone. That's it. There's zero commitment required. Now, when Jesus said, follow me, he meant give up your life and come and be with me and I will be with you forever. It's a completely different set of instructions and we need to hear that because today's message is called Follow Me and we're going to be reading from Luke chapter 5 uh, verses 1 to 11. So let's just do that then we'll pray then we'll get into the message this morning. One day Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, that's the lake of Galilee. The people were crowding around him and were listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. That was the tradition. Teachers would sit to teach rather than we're more used to people standing to teach. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, we will let down the nets. When they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signalled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, I'm a sinful man. For he and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so, were, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything and followed him. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you for this story, this foundational story for discipleship, for what it means and for how it works. And I pray, Father, as we embark on this new series together, that you would speak to us, just as you spoke to those first disciples, just Lord Jesus, as you called them, would you be calling us? Help us to understand, uh, just as they had to understand all the things that you meant and what you were talking about. Help us, Lord Jesus, please, by your Holy Spirit. Amen. So yes, today is a new series, a new series of teaching uh, through till it's kind of Christmas time where we'll be looking at what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And we want to look at it in uh, from all kinds of angles, all sorts of stories where people call people to follow, uh, where Jesus called people to follow him and where uh, they responded and how they responded, what they did, what they said, what Jesus said to them, what their lives looked like as they embarked on this journey of following Jesus. We want to draw conclusions, of course, for ourselves. How do we respond? How do we follow? 
What does it mean for us? What does it mean for people living in modern Bristol to obey these commands from thousands of years ago from this carpenter from Nazareth? We're going to see the radical nature of following Jesus, the staggering, actually the staggering implications of what it means to follow him. For those who choose to follow him, how their lives would never be and should never be the same again. So what we're going to do today really is just to track through these verses, these 11 verses or so here in Luke chapter 5 and see really what happened. What was it um, about this Jesus that meant that these hardened fishermen who were fishermen generation after generation left everything on the shore and followed this carpenter for the rest of their lives. So let's see what happened. So first what we see that is this. In verse 1, the people were listening to Jesus. Uh, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of, of Genezareth, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. That was what he spoke. He spoke with great wisdom and authority. Um, and this is something that we need to understand about the teachers of Jesus. They were and are completely unique. They're not like anyone else's teachings ever before and ever again. See, he didn't teach a system of behaviour management. Uh, he didn't uh, or, or point out some sort of mystic reality that only a few would ever achieve. He didn't teach a philosophy of life. Um, you, know, you know, anyone can teach a, a kind of philosophy of life. You, know that? you can just teach anything you want. Um, you don't have to prove it works. <laughs> And that happens all the time. People telling you how to live. Politicians and all sorts of other people. This is how you should live. This is how you should be. Uh, and whether they live it or not, or whether it's possible or not, is seemingly irrelevant, which is pretty odd if you think about it. That's not what Jesus did. But it does happen all the time. He didn't, um, you know, he didn't charge huge sums of money to come and be part of his group. And when he died... He died uh, on his own on a cross. He died without anything really to his name. He didn't own anything. Didn't have bank accounts swimming with money. Neither had he squandered millions either. And yet, and yet, ordinary people, like in this story, ordinary people just down by the lake followed him in their crowds. They crowded to see him wherever he was. They hung on his every word they literally couldn't get enough of what he was saying and his actual teaching the content of his teaching was off the planet different from anything that had ever been taught before or since the christian message is not like any other religious message or any other philosophy of life that you will ever hear so many philosophies so many teachings point to a reality beyond the moment if you do this and this and this, you will achieve some future state. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. He was unique. Now think about that. That's, that's, that is the voice, that is the language of an absolute megalomaniac or, or the voice of God himself. And that's the challenge for those hearing the call of God today is making that choice. Do you see something, as these followers of Jesus are going to see in this story, that means that you conclude, yes, he is who he says he is. 
And so we see the, plow, the crowds pressing in around Jesus, and he actually has to ask the fishermen for help in order to continue teaching. So he says, look, I, I can't, there's nowhere else to go. The crowds are getting too big. If I pushed out to see a little bit in a boat, then maybe we could, uh, we could continue. That's verse 3, and that is, of course, what happened. Okay, the second thing we'll see is this. Once finished teaching, and he concluded his teaching shortly afterwards, I guess, Jesus, the carpenter, suggests a fishing trip to the fishermen who own the fishing boats. I hope you kind of get that. So Jesus is a carpenter, and he suggests that they go fishing to the fishermen who've just finished fishing for the evening or for the day, um, or fishing through the night, uh, and they own the boats, and that's their livelihood. Have you ever watched Gone Fishing with Mortimer and Whitehouse? I don't know if you have uh, Bob Mortimer and Paul Whitehouse. Um, I love it. It's, it's hilariously funny. They're comedians. So Paul Whitehouse, as I said, is a, is a comedian. And he, he's also quite an accomplished fisherman. He knows what he's doing. Bob Mortimer, also uh, a comedian, is profoundly not an accomplished fisherman. And part of the show is that... Um, is that Paul Whitehouse is, is trying to teach Bob Mortimer how to fish. It, it's kind of part of the whole thing, really. It's, it's quite funny. I think we're on season six now, so they've been doing this for many, many years. And what is surprising and actually funny is that Bob Mortimer literally has no idea what he's doing. <laughs> and if you... I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit of an amateur fisherman uh, myself, so I, I, at least I know enough to know that this guy, even after all these years, has not got a clue what he's doing. Now, just to bring it a bit closer to home, uh, James Lee and I went fishing uh, earlier in the summer. Do you remember we had a summer back then, a while? Um, and uh, we, we went fly fishing over, over the bridge into Wales. And, uh, and it, was, it was James's first time. I'm not sure whether it's uh, my inept teaching or whether it was James's learning, but James's first cast, and that's all, fly fishing is all about the cast, he managed to hook himself in his own ear which I thought was quite a skill. Uh, in fact, that was the only thing we hooked all day. But never mind, it was fun. It was a beautiful place. It was a lovely day. <laughs> What's the point of this? Well, the point is this. Jesus was not a fisherman. He was a carpenter, as I said. Simon Peter was a fisherman. His father was a fisherman. Likely generations of his family had been fishermen up to this point. They only fished this lake. That's it. This is their world. The lake's about 13 miles long and about nine miles wide. Some call it the Sea of Galilee, but you get the idea. It's not a huge, huge lake. Um, but they only fished this lake. They knew where the fish were. They knew when and how to catch the fish. And, and so that had all the generations of fishermen before them. And so Jesus told them, said, let's go in this morning, let's today in the day let's go catch some fish well that was so many things that were wrong about that if you knew what you were doing you don't fish in the day um, Jesus said push out into deep water you don't fish in deep water you fish in the shallows that's how you catch the fish and of course they'd already fished through the night and caught nothing anyway and they were we read in this in the passage they were cleaning they were washing their nets they were preparing maybe for the next night or the one after However, Simon Peter had heard enough of this radical teacher, preacher, carpenter to risk doing what was being suggested. He said, because you say so, we'll give it a go. 
And the result was what? They caught so many fish, it almost sunk the boats. It almost sunk the boats. And this brings us on to our third point. Simon Peter knew what he had witnessed in that moment. It was profoundly personal for Peter and those fishermen. You see, Jesus entered their world. He came to the thing that they knew and maybe the only thing they knew, the thing they knew the best, the thing they knew everything about. And he turned their whole understanding of the world on its head in that moment. And of course, what happens? Well, Peter falls before Jesus, falls on his knees before Jesus. And he acknowledges that he hasn't just seen uh, someone who's, who's noted a, a shoal of fish out in the sea. He has found himself in the presence of holiness. Jesus was not like anyone else he had ever met or would ever meet again. He says, he says go away from me. I can't be near you. <laughs> I, I recognize there's something about you, something other, something holy about you that I am not used to, that I'm not prepared for. Now here's the thing. You see, we're used to fleeing away from horror, from evil. In fact, the entire horror industry relies on our natural tendency to flee and retreat from evil. But where are we retreating to? Well, we're, we're wanting to retreat, retreat maybe behind the sofa, behind a cushion. Um, we, we're wanting to retreat to where? To safety, to goodness, to where we belong, right? But that's not what Simon Peter is retreating from at all. What if when confronted with the ultimate goodness and holiness, we were to find that we don't belong there either? What then? Because that's what's happening to Peter, this first meetings with Jesus. He's realising there's something, that there's something about me that doesn't belong here. I need, I need help. I need rescue at this point. If this relationship is to continue, I need outside assistance. That's just what has happened to Peter. You see, he's faced with ultimate goodness displayed in the most personal of ways, the way that Peter would understand so profoundly. And he is utterly undone by it. Everything he knew about the world, his world was turned on its head by this carpenter from Nazareth. And confronted with such profound, such a profound personal sign, he realises that he's in God's presence and I've said he realises he needs rescuing a wave, go away, I don't belong, I, I want to belong but I don't belong. So that's the setup. that's our story, that's where we're, we're led to, this is the precipice of what's about to happen, that, that everything's going to change for these guys and many others like them and thousands and millions since have heard that same call, been confronted with that same reality. That draw of holiness, that sense of no one else has ever, I've never seen anything like this. I don't understand, I don't belong, but I need to belong. Such profound realities that they face and many face. What happens next is key. What is the punchline? What's the outcome? What happened next? What is there in it, therefore, for us? Well, there at the end of the passage and other passages like it in Matthew's Gospel, and others as well, we find Jesus essentially saying, follow me, <laughs> follow me. Let's read the passage from Luke. Um, then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. 
He sees the fear in Simon Peter's face. He recognises Peter has seen something beyond just talk and fish and the sunlight and the sea. He's seen God. He's seen that Jesus is not an ordinary man. Don't be afraid. That phrase is used again and again throughout the Bible, again and again, because people in the presence of God often find themselves fearful. From now on, he says, you're going to fish for people. That's how it's going to be. You're used to this life. I'm going to offer you a new one, a different job. So they pulled up their boats onto the shore, left everything and followed Jesus. And three things then, just as we draw to a conclusion here. There was a new faith, a new job and a new way to live. He says, don't be afraid, as we've already discussed Real faith isn't something that you can do for yourself. You can't sort of summon it up. You can't grit your teeth and find genuine faith in Jesus. It has to be done for you. An outside agent, God himself, has to come and do something in you. It requires a spiritual reset, a new beginning. Jesus called it being born again. It's it's a radical restart. It's like an entirely new life. It's serious language for an event that, while is profoundly individual in a moment, has a kind of universally understood effect. Now listen, some of us, we need to do this right now. This is your moment. This is a moment. You've had the moment like Peter did. You've seen something. You've recognised there is a profound reality here that you long for but don't yet belong to. And this astounding truth of who Jesus is, this staggering reality of a new life caught up with this dear Son of God is for you right now. I want to just pray. I want us to pray together. So I'm going to pray and you can follow along. If this is something that you feel this is, this is a moment for you and you'll know it, your heart will be racing, you'll be sensing God in this moment, then please make this prayer your own. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my life. I want to trust you, I want to follow you as Lord and Saviour. Amen. Now if you prayed that prayer for the first time, if you prayed that prayer for the first time and it, it, and it really meant and resounded with you, deep within you, then I I just encourage you to get hold of someone, maybe someone you came with, maybe one of the leaders here, and just tell them that that's what you've done and that that is a heartfelt response to this Jesus that you're coming to know. The second thing, anyway, we find out for for Peter is that everything is going to be different. There there, there was a new job for Peter. He says, I'm going to make you a fisher of people where before you fished in this lake. Now Jesus doesn't always ask and didn't always ask everyone to leave their jobs but he does ask everyone, he does require everyone to live with a radically new purpose. You see Jesus' teaching, much of it was around a, a coming kingdom. He said I'm, I, there's a kingdom coming that will one day encompass the whole earth and that is the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God of whom he was the king. And he says, come and populate this kingdom with me. Come and draw many sons and daughters into the presence of God to see what Peter had just seen. 
to recognise what many of us have come to see and are coming to see more and more as we walk this path with Jesus. And he says, that this is now the centre of our world, this purpose to populate the kingdom of heaven, to see Jesus glorified, to worship the King of kings and Lord of lords. He said the kingdom would be unstoppable. He said nothing will stop this kingdom. He said all the other kingdoms of the world will shake. And my goodness, we see that around us all the time. We see it through generations. We see it in our own moment profoundly. Everything shakes. Things we thought were stable will shake and many will fall. He said this kingdom will never fail. And for thousands of years that has rung absolutely true throughout the world. And he says this, live as part of this kingdom. Live as ambassadors for this kingdom. Live as ambassadors for Christ as you follow Jesus. And the third thing is this, it's a new way to live. How is it done? Well, it is a new way to live. Follow Jesus. This is the call. This is the message. This is what Jesus said to those first disciples and many others since. Do what he did. Love like he did. Be prepared to die to your life as he did. And on this final point, maybe this is the key aspect of what the passage is telling us, of what this teaching series is really all about. You see, Jesus didn't say, he didn't say, give me your heart. He, he, he didn't say, be full of feelings, in that sense, for me. He didn't say, be a better person. Wouldn't the world be better if we all behaved ourselves better? He didn't say, act religiously. God forbid he said that. In fact, he had these, his strongest criticism were for the strongest religious leaders of his day. He didn't say just learn a bunch of stories. He didn't say be nice to everyone. He said it again and again, follow me and I will make you something that you currently are not. And he didn't say follow me and then go and sit under a tree <laughs> and just, you know, listen to all the stuff I have to say, although he had profound things to say. He said follow me and then he healed the sick and he cast out demon and he fed the poor and he confronted those in authority and he died for our sins. He lived a life of a servant, the life of someone who was in debt to his own father and someone who loved so profoundly, so deeply that he would give himself for you and for me. So what we're saying and what we're trying to get into here is that we would be with Jesus that's what he said and even when Jesus ascended back into heaven he said before he went he said listen I'm sending one like me I'm sending my spirit to be with you forever he says you don't have to be alone this is not a path you have to walk on your own it's not just you and a book <laughs> it's not even just you and a group of people like this it is you and God himself he says I'll come and be with you so be with Jesus Jesus will come and live with you, live inside you, speak and guide you and help you and strengthen you, give you courage, give you hope, give you joy, give you profound reassurance of a future and a hope with him. And in doing that, we become like Jesus and through his word and through his people as well, we become like Jesus, we are changed. The thing that people are so profoundly sure can never happen, people change. <laughs> How do they change? They change in the presence of God himself. And so the world would see that we are his disciples. That's what we've said of the disciples later in this story. He says the others looked at him and said, aren't these just un, 
schooled men. How are they speaking with such authority? And it says they took note they had been with Jesus. They had become like him. They sounded like him. They behaved like him. They loved like him. They cared like him. They gave their lives like he gave their life in order that this broken world would find truth and peace and joy and hope and a future. So become like Jesus. And then, of course, part and parcel of it all is to do what Jesus did, to live a life of a servant as one who gives themselves for the sake of others so that this kingdom would be populated with sons and daughters finding their way to glory. Follow Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of it. We thank you for the power of it. And I pray for any who've prayed that prayer of faith this morning, that they would find instantly that they are changed, that they are born again in your presence, and that their story starts to look like the story